Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. Infectious diseases kill more people worldwide than any other single cause, according to the World Health Organization. My guest today is Dr. Jason Newland. He's a Washington University pediatric infectious disease physician at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Newland. So what are some of the most common infectious diseases that a pediatrician might see? Well, there's many infectious diseases that a pediatrician sees every day. Those include ear infections, sore throats such as uh, group A strep uh, pharyngitis, urinary tract infections, infections of the skin that give you these abscesses. And then in the wintertime, we often see a lot of cold-like illnesses and influenza viruses by far and away one of the most common and scary one of our infectious diseases that impact children that we actually have a great vaccine for. So why don't you speak about the flu vaccine for a minute and what would you like pediatricians to know about convincing their patients to get the annual flu vaccine and what they should be on the lookout for for flu? So yes, this is a really, really important topic and it becomes uh, more important all the time. I think influenza vaccine, if there's anything to say to folks is that, you know, we see children die every year from the from the influenza virus. Um, these are normal, healthy children at times, as well as those kids who have underlying medical problems. Um, it is it has recently been shown that of those children that have had the worst outcomes, that even in years where the influenza vaccine might not be the best in regards to covering the virus, it still helps in protecting against those worst outcomes like death. So if anything for the pediatricians now, as we see more and more data, is we definitely know that this vaccine um, saves lives, saves many lives every year, um, and therefore we have to continue to stress the importance of the, the flu vaccine for folks. What are some other infectious diseases you would like them to be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, I think uh, some other big ones uh, coming up as we kind of get into the summertime are our diarrheal illnesses, uh, such as we will sometimes see something called cryptosporidium diarrhea or giardia, and these can occur in uh, from swimming pools. Um, and so I think it's important for our pediatricians to keep a lookout for that. And for any of the uh, maybe families that and parents that are listening, you know, if your child has diarrhea, that they shouldn't be in a pool um, because it, this can be transmissible to others. Um, I think some other infections that we have to that we always see in our by our pediatricians are these common colds. Um, and, and what we try to do is to support our families. And I know there's a lot of pressure to feel that you have to prescribe antibiotics at times. And, and I think there are indications to do that, such as ear infections, when you actually see a true ear infection or when they have a strep throat manifested by a sore throat with fever. And in those cases, antibiotics are important. But we have to remember that antibiotics have side effects. And those side effects aren't harmless. You can have bad skin rashes. You can have awful diarrhea. And what we always talk about with the overuse of antibiotics is the development of resistance, that our bacteria become so resistant to some of these antibiotics we can't use them. And so I think commonly is that, okay, we need to step back and think, do we need these antibiotics or do we not? And to have great conversations with our families about the importance of using them when they're appropriate and to stress the fact, again, that there can be 
negative consequences to using the antibiotics. So as one of those obstacles in infection treatment, how would you tell a pediatrician to discuss this with their patients? Because as you mentioned, patients come and they're begging for an antibiotic when maybe it's a viral infection where there could be side effects with the antibiotic in the first place. What do you want pediatricians to tell their patients about this to convince them? Yeah, so I think um, I think to step back, the first thing is that um, we have this notion that families like to come in and demand for antibiotics, and I think at times they do, but studies would suggest they don't demand as much as we assume they do. So I think the first step is really to be upfront and ask, you know, are people expecting an antibiotic? Because we know that expectation, if we just think they want an antibiotic, will uh, lead us to prescribe the antibiotics oftentimes when they're not necessary. So I think step one is just, do they want an antibiotic? And asking about that really directly to them. Secondly, is if you look at the studies, what families want is they want reassurance. And then they want a plan of what to do next in case things don't get better. So I think that's important is one is, okay, reassurance. Saying, okay, this is a viral infection. I understand that um, you're concerned acknowledge that concern, and provide some other options for things that they can do, um, you know, such as if if they're having pain or fever, that they can use things like um, acetaminophen um, or, or things like um, ibuprofen uh, and such. So I think these are important strategies. Um, and lastly, I think is give them a contingency plan. If you're not better in the next two or three days, call us back. We can reevaluate. Um, there has been strategies where you can actually give an antibiotic and say, hey, don't fill this antibiotic unless they don't get better. And while some people might often think that people just, oh, well, I'm just going to go fill that antibiotic or have it um, receive it, they find frequently that they don't go get an antibiotic. And I had a recent experience personally where someone came and talked to me about using antibiotics, that someone had prescribed them antibiotics for sinusitis. But the physician had told them, don't fill it unless you're not getting better. And they said, you know what? I never filled it. I never, I realized that I didn't need it um, and because I was started getting better in the next couple of days. So I think these strategies will work, um, though it's not easy. And I don't want to make, make it sound easy because I know these are hard conversations at times. I just think we need to continue to try to look at that. And along the line of vaccines, Dr. Newland, meningitis for college students. I mean, there are things that we're hearing about going around at places. Some of the more uh, scary illnesses, infectious diseases we worry about, yeah, meningitis is definitely one of them. Now, we have been blessed with the uh, with vaccines in this era. Um, and so the most common bacteria that causes meningitis is a bacteria called streptococcus pneumonia. Um, we have a great vaccine that has really almost eliminated that uh, bacteria causing meningitis. We have rarely seen cases in the last couple of years with the newest version of that vaccine. And as you mentioned, often in teenagers and those going to college, we worry about something called meningococcus or Neisseria meningitidis, which also can cause meningitis. And thankfully, again, we have a vaccine that can be given now um, down to the younger child at the um, age of two years and above. Um, but it's really recommended to, to occur kind of right when they're right before in their teenage years. And this is a, also an effective vaccine. 
Now, it's not a perfect vaccine because it doesn't cover all the types of this Neisseria meningitis, but it is definitely something that all children should receive in these at these time points, and I have three kids of my own that will also receive it. Um, and I think probably another vaccine that should be mentioned as we talk about vaccines is the human papillomavirus vaccine. This is truly um, an amazing vaccine is that it prevents cancer. It is one, uh, it is truly probably the first or some might say the second vaccine that prevents cancer. It prevents cervical cancer. It prevents penile cancer, of which is often not talked about among men. Um, so it is so, so important that our children receive this vaccine, um, and it's usually recommended now, I think down to the age of um, eight or nine years of age. Um, often kids will get it around 11 or 12 years of age. Um, it's now, I think, just two doses. And so this is, a, this is something that is a must, um, and it's, it is a cancer preventative vaccine. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Newland, if you will. When you would like pediatricians to refer to a specialist if they have patients with one of these infectious diseases we've been discussing, and what you would like them to know about recognizing some of these things. Yeah, so I think first and foremost is that pediatricians care for um, infectious diseases all the time, and they, in some respects, are experts in some of the things that we've talked about, ear infections, cold, sinusitis, strep pharyngitis. So those are those are they can care for, um, but there are times when a specialist like myself and other of my infectious diseases colleagues are necessary. These can be such things as prolonged fever, so fever for longer than 10 days that where you just don't know what's going on and need some additional assistance. They also could be in children that have recurrent episodes of fever that continue to be occurring over and over, um, and you need some additional help. Secondly, we can be useful in regards to more um, serious infections, such as bone infections or bad complicated pneumonias that require drainage-type procedures while they're in the hospital. And finally, I think we can be very helpful when it comes to those um, patients and families that you've worked on uh, regarding vaccine hesitancy, um, where they're not wanting vaccines and you need another person just to have these discussions. And I think you know, we, as infectious diseases physicians, we see ourselves as a resource to our fellow subspecialists as well as to all the pediatricians and others who have concerns around these areas, and we're always willing to discuss cases and be of any type of resource to people when they have questions. And tell us about your team. Why is St. Louis Children's Hospital so great to work with? Uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital is one of those gyms in any, that all communities need to have. Uh, you know, when you have the number of specialists and um, dedicated folks um, that want to help others, this is a place you like. I think among the infectious disease faculty members, you know, there's um, about 11 of us who all have our unique interests. Um, but I think what's most important is that we really care um, about our community, about our children, about our families, and want to do whatever we can uh, to help um, others out in these areas. Thank you so much for being with us today. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.